morning. Praise the Lord. Thank you. What a good group of song leaders. Beautiful. Um, let's, uh, I'd like to lead in a prayer, so would you join me, please? Lord Jesus, we assemble in your name to hear from you, to be guided by you, to be helped. We come in your name to be healed, to have our ears and our hearts opened. We come to pray. Your house is a prayer, house of prayer. For Eurocon, a week from now, when all, all so many gather in Europe for fellowship and to touch you, to touch the hem of your garment. As we are here this morning, we are here to be touched by you and to touch you and do your work in our lives, our, our daily life, our family life, where we sleep at night, what, where, where we eat, where we live, where we talk, where we listen. Put your hand upon every life here this morning and lead us, God, and guide us in your name, to know you more and more, and more and more unto that perfect day, we pray. We pray for our country today, that many in our country would turn to righteousness, turn to you and find you, Lord, Jesus, we need help, God. And that we would stand in, in truth and stand in the lentil patch and stand in our faith like Stephen and stand like Daniel and stand in an evil time. Lead us, Lord, in your heart and in your words. We pray in Jesus' name. If you have a personal prayer or something you want to pray, you can pray right now by yourself or with your neighbor sitting next to you or behind you. If you want to have a moment of prayer, then do that now. One of the elements in fellowship, when we have fellowship together, one of the one of the elements is is um, with each other. We we can say to each other, uh, "Has God answered any prayer in your life in the last?" You know, wow. That's good. Uh, we could say, "What is God doing in your life recently?" 
in the last week or months or year. Um, why are you know? Oftentimes, when we meet when we meet people, how are you doing? Like that's one greeting. How are you doing? And then in fellowship, you could just say seriously to each other, uh, "Has God answered a prayer?" Um, do you need, uh, is there anything I can do for you? Uh, do you, um, I need encouragement or uh, thanks for being here because I need every portion I can get from God and you are my brother, you are my sister. Uh, this is um, something that the Holy Spirit leads you in as brothers and sisters and I, I uh, really believe that God is in that, that he leads us. And you don't know when, when you are with somebody, you may not realize how encouraging your life is to somebody. Uh, you may not realize what your presence means, what your smile means, what your words mean. Uh, you may not realize um, how powerful your prayers are. God, God, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So fellowship is something that God leads us in as body members, and we learn that we are we are in and we are not we are, we have our common people. But then we are, we are born again and we have the authority of Christ in our life. Remember when Pharaoh said to Joseph, I want to meet your father. Like there's Pharaoh, the king, and there's Joseph. And Pharaoh says, I want to meet your father and I want you to bless me. So Joseph went and got, went and got his father and brought him to Pharaoh and he prayed a blessing on Pharaoh. Um, Jacob isn't really anybody except with God. He is. He's not a king, but he's Jacob, the father of Joseph. In the similar way, we are the meek that inherit the earth. We are like Daniel and Solomon and, and others in the Bible that we read about, uh, Deborah and, um, Priscilla and, and um, the, 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 the group that, that has promises, that has promises from God. So would you uh, stand with me for a moment, please? And, and we'll just take a minute and have fellowship with the person around you or nearby you and go over to them and just say some of these things to them. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, you may be seated and turn in the book, in your Bibles, to the book of Habakkuk. We're going to look at the book of Habakkuk this morning for a few minutes. Uh, turn to Titus 3. I think this verse should be put up on the screen. Titus 3. 
verse 5. Uh, I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life when I was really an unbeliever. I mean, really an unbeliever. And I was uh, studying at, in school evolution in biology. I was a biology major. And I did, um, I went to church uh, in my family as a habit, but even that turned me off because I just, uh, worshiping, like look, talking about God but not being serious, it didn't seem that the leaders of the church were serious about it. <laughs> C.S. Lewis has a story, I think it's in the Pilgrim's Regress. Uh, where, where, uh, the man seeking for God comes to the house and there's a religious man behind a desk and he has a, he has a mask with a stick, you know. And he says, you know, you are to keep the Ten Commandments and be very serious and very sincere about it. And then he kind of dips behind, out from behind the mask and said, you know, don't worry about it. It really doesn't matter. You know, that kind of, like two messages. Like, God is real, fear him, and then it's like, well, nobody really does it. You know, just live your life. And then he goes back to his his um, language, his form, his uh, expression, his, his game that he's playing. But I believe that what happened to you and I is something that is inexplainable, inexplicable, incredibly profound. And it's here in that verse, Titus 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration. Regeneration is in the English just like what what it sounds like. Uh, what what it, the gen, gen you know in um, biology you have, you have a kingdom, uh, phylum, right class, family, genus, species, genus, a generation a kind, a type, the genus Homo sapiens, right? The, the uh, classification of things. And the word genus and genetics and regeneration are all coming from the same root. You have been born of God. Christ in you. Uh, so then, in our culture, we all have our cultural orientation. And that's why, by the way, when you read the saints through history, not just the current Christian books of the 21st century, 20th century, but what did they say in the 5th? What did Augustine say? What did the church fathers say? What did Charles Spurgeon say? What did John Wesley say? How did they find God? Who found God? I believe that if we took all the believers, not all of them, but a bunch of them 
through history from every generation and put them in this room with us, we would all understand each other. We have the mind of Christ. Did they in the 5th century believe in evolution? No, the world did not, was not propagating that message. But how about in our culture? Yes, it's everywhere. But what is it that you believe? How was the world created? How did it happen? Well, when you were regenerated, God gave you a new heart, new ears. You gave, he gave you a capacity to relate to the spiritual world, the transcendental world, the world that transcends the material world. And you became a believer. And now you are being taught. Now you should have serious questions about your faith. I'm concerned about people who do not doubt it, that are not questioning it, that are not bringing it into sub subjecting it to my heart and my mind. I, I want to go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, what about this? And Jesus, what about that? And why did this happen? And how come he is blind? And why don't you care about that? And why don't, what do you, why are you saying this to them? All of this kind of life that you live as a person is subject to God. And God is answering you with hard sayings. Sometimes things hard to believe. But because you have the new birth, then you have the faith of the Son of God who loved you and died for you. Galatians 2 and verse 20. Why do I say this? Because I don't want you to be floating around uh, 10 years from today. I don't want you to lose your faith. I don't want you to be just floating and under the impressions of what our culture is saying or what somebody discovered somewhere or some, you know, <laughs> some weird idea or an alien appeared or a new planet was discovered or, uh, you know, something contradicted your faith and you can't believe that happened to you or that your church failed you or disappointed you or another brother or sister disappointed you or troubled you. This cannot be happening to us. We cannot be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. For Peter said in First Peter, we have not, in Second Peter chapter 1, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We have a more sure word of prophecy. We have the prophets. We have the prophets. Habakkuk is one of them. We have the prophets, the Jewish prophets. We have the covenants. Let me show you a short list here. Uh, Rome, Romans 9. Just This is a memory uh, verse for you. Romans 9, <clears throat> verses 4 and 5. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory. 
and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. How many things do you have counted there? One, two, three, four, five, six things. This is what you have. The Jews had the adoption. They came out of Egypt. They became the Son of God. The glory, they saw the Shekinah glory in the tabernacle. The covenants with Abraham and David and the new covenant. And the giving of the law at Sinai. What did the Jews have? This long history of God in their lives showing up in the burning bush. A being with Noah on the ark. The long story, Noah was before Abraham actually, but it's still, it's a covenant and it's still, of course, in the scripture that was written by Moses. The service of God in the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom as concerning the flesh, Christ came. Christ came. With all of that context, the covenant, the glory, the promises, the service of God, that means the priesthood, the sacrifices, the incense, the tabernacle, the service of God. They walk before God. What an amazing heritage that we have. Not only are you born again, but you have a heritage of this history and many manifestations of God that are the evidence that you have not followed something something cunningly devised, deviously invented, foolishly thrown together. We have something very precious. So um, go to Habakkuk, and I want to, at times teach on the minor prophets because even though those books are small, often they are not preached about in the church. And I would like to give you exposure through the coming weeks and months to many of the minor prophets. And I'm breaking it down very simply so you can grab the concept of what it is that they are saying and why are they saying it. And so uh, that'll be our, our message this morning. And I hope it, it, it's, it's simple and clear and useful for us. So we will start in chapter 1. Habakkuk is unique because uh, I'll draw a little diagram here for the prophet. Here is the prophet. Most prophets spoke about the people and the nation of Israel. I'll put here Israel. And they usually made reference to their failure to obey and fear and honor God. Uh, most of the prophets were, were talking to the king and the people, and they were pointing out maybe in our country, a prophet came in the Old Testament meaning, and we are those people today, actually the pastor teachers 
we are the messengers, and we can say a lot about our culture and address it. But Habakkuk was different because he didn't do this. He instead spoke to God about how disappointed he was with God. Behind his words was like, God, why are you doing this? I have a problem with you. I have a problem. I have a question in my heart. I have a problem because even though our nation is bad, you are doing something that you have shown me. What you are going to do is that you're going to take another bad nation and you're going to bring them and bring that nation to Israel and punish them. You're going to take a bad nation, Babylon, and bring it, bring it here, and you're going to devastate our country, and you're going to do it with an evil nation. I have a problem with that. So this is the picture. I wonder if you can grab a hold of that in your mind. Look at chapter 1. We can start from verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity, cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence was before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment does never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceeds. Maybe we have seen that in our country too, where you might have an unjust judge making a judgment, and the wicked rule or reign. Verse 5. Behold, you are among the heathen and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work in a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are swifter than the leopards, are more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from far. They fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. And on he goes through the chapter, and he comes to this place where he's saying, why, why, why would you allow that? Your eyes cannot behold evil. Look at one thirteen. You are pure eyes and behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Now, we would say when the Nazi, Nazi party in Germany took over power, and they started persecuting and doing, invading other countries to, to, to collect Jewish people 
to take uh, more, they had uh, the living space for the Germans, for they had the idea that the German race would multiply and needed more land and more space. That was the lie that Hitler was propagating. And you could stand back and say, God, why would you use evil? Why are you doing this? I have a problem with it. I think that there are there are there are people that have problems with God in many areas. Evil is one of them. Why did you allow this to happen? Maybe in our personal lives, in our relationships, we might have a complaint to God. God, why haven't you answered my prayer? Why haven't you blessed me with the things that I was looking forward to in my life? I never got that. I don't understand you. What are you doing? Hmm. Why does a child die at a young age? Why are families broken up? And we say these things to God. Very understandable. This is a point... First point here, there's one, and then two, and then three. First one is the question to God. And the second one is God's answer. This is chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand upon my watch. This is Habakkuk speaking. I will wait upon God. I will stand upon my watch. The period of time where a watchman on a a tower or on a, um, a wall would be there just waiting, not understanding the answer to the first question that he had there or the first part there, but instead... And set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. He is already knowing that God would correct him and reprove him. And he's wondering how I would answer him. But he's saying, I I believe he will will talk to me. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will watch to see what he will say unto me. This is beautiful. When we have our complaint before God, well, why is the evil reigning? Why is the world upset and troubled? Didn't you make the world and it was very good? Remember that in Genesis 1 on Wednesday night when we spoke about the Sabbath, the real Sabbath, when God saw the world that he made like every, every time, uh, just about every time, there were six times he said it was good, and then, no, five times it was good. Six times, the sixth time he said, it's very good. And then what happened after that? What, time, what happened after he said, and it was very good? When he looked on the earth after he made man, he said it was very good. What did he do then? He entered into his rest. And we said the other night that 
That's part of the rest that we have is when we realize that what God has done for us is very good. That's where our rest comes from. When Jesus said, it is finished, in a way we could say, it's not written there, of course, but in a way we could say, when Christ died, he said, it is finished. It wasn't about the creation, it was about salvation. It's done. And so your life also is finished in the sense that you are justified Your name is in the book of life. You are adopted into the family of God. You are called a child of God. You are accepted by him. And it is very good. And you enter into his rest. So here we are in a world that's troubled, and we have to be honest. There are times when we have these troubles, like in point number one, And point number two is God talking to us. And this is chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Write the vision. It's not written there what the vision is, but we will see at the, at the end of the book, look at chapter 3, verse 17. Although the fig tree does not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. And the flocks shall be cut off from the fold. There'll be show, there shall be no herd heard in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon my high places to the chief singer on my string instruments. This is point number three. This is Habakkuk 3.17 saying, that even in a troubled world where there is no, the agriculture has failed, the husbandry, husbandry has collapsed, there's no ox in the stall, it looks like the world is upside down, yet I rejoice in God. The very one that he was complaining to, look at, look at, up on the screen. He made his complaint about the world and what was going on in it. But the Lord answered him, and he understood something. Now, there's a lot that could be said about that, but I I want to go back to chapter 2. I hope you're following this with me because it's not difficult, but Lord, help me with this. Chapter 2, verse to the Lord answered me, had said, write the vision and make it plain upon table, so that he may run that reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry. 
wait for it, because it surely come. It will not tarry. Hmm. What is the vision that will come, but not right now, but it will come? It is sure it is coming, but it's not right now. But the vision is coming, and write it. And when you write it, it will be as if you will not even believe, even though it is told you. Where is that written? That's written in Habakkuk, but it's quoted in the book of Acts, in chapter 13. What's the vision that, that God is saying to Habakkuk? What is it? What is the vision that he's to write down? And when you re- read it, you will run. When you read it, you will run. It's Christ, but I'll put it this way. The just shall live by faith. Let's read it. Verse, chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up, is not upright in him. And that speaks of pride. The soul that is lifted up is not upright in him. He's proud. He's proud. Mm. Wow, I got to go back to this point here. When you complain to God about your troubles here. And I, I said the evil world, I could, I could just put down health, money, any number of things. You just say, God, why is the world messed up? Why is my life messed up? I got a problem with you. What, what I'm close to doing, if not already there, is that my heart is lifted up. And I'm proud. I am. I'm proud. I'm making my putting my finger in the face of God. You have no right to do this to me. You have no right for the Nazis to invade Europe. You have no right uh, for the Babylonians, the Chaldeans to invade Israel. Like, what are you doing? I didn't think you would use an evil thing to accomplish something like this. I don't understand you. I am hurt. I am troubled by it. The answer is here at chapter 2, verse 4. But the just shall live by his faith. The just will be quiet about it. You can ask your question, but be real humble. Guys, you don't know what's going on. Something is coming. God said to Habakkuk, there's something coming. And wait for it. Tarry. That's the old English word for wait. Tarry. Wait on it. And, and you don't have a heart that is boast, that is, uh, proud. You're, if you're proud, your heart is not upright. You'll be blinded by your pride. You'll be arrogant by your pride. But I'm telling you, if you are just, then you can live by faith. And though you don't see it now, there is a vision that is coming. And if you wait for it, you will see it and you will run with it. 
That's Christ. Christ is coming. The kingdom is coming. And the just shall live by faith. That means I don't have all the answers now, but I have him as my guide. That means that I don't know exactly how this all is working, but I believe there is a kingdom coming. I believe there's a better day. I believe the glory of God that we see with the Jewish people and the heritage and the service and the law and the priesthood and everything and the Christ that we are believing there is a world coming where all the evil is dealt with by God. Well, I don't see it. And God says the just will live by faith. That little verse is six times in our New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Six times it's used in our New Testament, and it's important to us. So let's finish up here. It says, chapter 2, verse for I, if we broke it down a little more, you could see it. I, I think you can follow it with me. Look at it. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. A man's pride will bring him low. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. <clears throat> the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. But he'll complain about him all the time. Proverbs Psalm 10.4 When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Not a not novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil in 1 Timothy 3.6. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay, let's finish. The most important thing for you and I, what we see in Habakkuk, in this little prophet, this small book of three chapters, is that even though the fig tree does not blossom, it's okay that just shall live by faith. Even though there's no fruit on the vines and the labor of the olive fails, the fields yield no meat, it's okay. I am waiting on God and I will rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation. Even though the flock will be cut off from the fold and there will be no herd in the stalls, I believe God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me walk upon high places. What is this? This is transcendental language or spiritual language. This is when your heart and mind, you have a capacity to believe God when you can't see or understand what is happening. And the beautiful thing about Habakkuk in chapter 2, in the very beginning there, is that Habakkuk says, you know, I'm, I'm a bit angry on the inside, but I'm going to wait upon God, and he will answer me. And when God answered him, he said, write the vision. It's coming. It's coming. 
And I don't know where, 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 how, how to say this, but I just believe that God is saying Christ is coming. The kingdom is coming. The millennium is coming. There's a better world coming. But for you, Habakkuk, if you are a just man, you can take it. You can live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You get saved by faith, justified by faith, sanctified by faith, wait a long time by faith. You'll be buried in faith. You will live, you live in Christ, you die, you die in Christ. You live by faith. If you are a just man, a humble man, a believing man, then I will honor you. And your feet will be like hinds feet on high places. That's the book of Habakkuk for us today. Amen. Maybe someone here, you, you, you just say, yeah, I am a product of my culture. I, of course I am. All the uh, TV through my childhood and my parents and church life maybe. And I'm a product of the university or the living on the street. I'm a product of the world that I live in. And we say, yes, you are. But would you like a new birth? Where God is your father, God is your teacher, Christ is your savior. Your sins are washed away. You are in the family of God. You might say, I I don't know that I want that. I do not know that I need it. I don't know that I want it. We just say to you, you need it more than your next breath. You need it more than anything you could imagine. You need Christ in your life. Come to him. The just shall live by faith. And say to Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I pray in Christ's name. He will answer you immediately. He is for you. Walk by faith in him. You will know him. He sends his spirit into your heart. You'll lie down, he'll talk to you, he'll minister to you. Walk with him. To all the believers here today, walk with him. Talk with him, listen to him. He will help you, he will guide you, he will answer you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.